low right now. That. We don't got time for that. Let's go. Break it. Break it. Cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Derek Johnson here. I am riding solo today. Adam is out feeling a little bit under the weather, so I'm going to carry things today, but Uh, We have plenty of other people that you're going to hear from on today's edition of RCST. Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star is going to join us coming up at about 340 here. And then we have five matchups for RCST trivia that we're going to start airing at 4 o'clock. It's going to bleed over into the 5 o'clock hour with those five matchups for RCST trivia. We have a 116 matchup. I think our first one seed to go with Eric Hansey uh, taking on Paul, we have a 215 matchup between Andrew and Kristen. I mean, our 215 matchup yesterday was pretty darn good. Um, we've got a couple 611 matchups, Alex and Mike, as well as Max versus Steve. And then we've got an 8 9 matchup. Those are always pretty good, right? With uh, Nick and Justin. So those coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Of course, RCST is brought to you by T Mobile. T Mobile has amazing deals for everyone at any of the Lawrence locations. Don't choose between value or coverage. Get both with T-Mobile where you can chat, share, and stream on America's 5G network. And guess what? Unlimited 5G is included in all plans at T-Mobile at no extra cost. T-Mobile, we cover more people and places than anyone else. Um, We also have our KU Club interview, by the way, later, brought to you by Johnny Stavern in North Lawrence. We're going to talk with Emma Russin of the KU Sailing Club. That'll be uh, at about 525, 530 later on today. You know, I I was looking back and trying to find commonalities of Bill Self's national title teams. And it's only two teams. I say only. It's so hard to win one, let alone two titles. I don't mean it like that. But I say only because it's hard if you're only looking at two teams of data because the data can be so skewed because it's it's just not big enough to to come away and, and say that, yeah, well, this this trend is approaching. It's only two things, right? Like, you know, if it if the Royals go out and win two straight like they did to open up the season, is that a win streak where we can take away all these big things from, or do we just say they just won back-to-back games, right? So it's hard to totally say, well, this is what's common between all these teams. I mean, I mean, right away what comes to mind is experience. You talk about, you know, all those players that had suffered through, whether it was first-round loss to Bucknell or Bradley or both. Um, 2007, you make it to the Elite Eight, and a lot of those guys coming back with Brandon Rush and Mario Chalmers and so on down the list, that comes to mind, and not just experience, experience with the Bill Self system, and that was the case with this team. You had four of five starters come back from a season before, and in addition to that, you also had guys like Mitch Lightfoot come back, who, I mean, of your seven guys who were playing the most, basically four were returning starters, and the other one was Mitch Lightfoot, who had been in the program, this being his sixth year. So that's clearly something that sticks out. And one of the things we talked about all offseason was what matters more? Is it experience or experience under Bill Self? And I think we thought we were going to see the answer to that this year because we figured, okay, Remy Martin is going to be a starter. He's experienced, but it's not experience under Bill Self. 
and we saw Joe Yesifu come in. Same thing. We saw Jalen Coleman-Lance come in. Figured he would be a part of the rotation, um, and, and he was, but in terms of the you know nailed-down rotation in the final games of the season, he wasn't so much um, as part of that. And you wondered, well, what matters more? Is it just experience, experience under Bill Self? And we didn't really get to see that because then at the end of the day, four of the same five starters were back from last year, and your fifth starter this year was a guy who was on last year's team as one of your backups, and six of the seven guys who you were playing in that really hammer-down rotation were guys who were on the roster before. So we didn't really get the answer to what matters more, experience or experience specifically under Bill Self. Um, but outside of that, what, what else sticks out? Because I was, I was trying to think through this, and, and you could go through and say that, you know, this team did this well or this team did this one aspect well of the game. But I, I want something more macro than that. And I don't know, maybe this is more micro anyway, but um, one thing that I've noticed, basically every lineup as part of your meaningful rotation featured four or five guys at any given time that could go get a bucket. And that's a, that's a very vague way of putting things I don't have like a specificity of how I can define that. Um, but here's what I mean by that. It doesn't have to be someone who I'm saying can create a bucket, right? Like if you're talking about basket creators or shot creators, like Remy Martin was probably number one on KU this past season. But if you're just talking about can go get a bucket, you can give David McCormick the ball on the post on the block and he can go get a bucket. Ochagbaji can go get you a bucket, right? So I don't mean can uh, like create and shake and bake a guy. I don't mean it from that standpoint. I just mean guys that can get you a bucket, essentially, right? And and you could say, well, that's everyone in college basketball. But I think we know the difference, right? Like, Dewan Harris has a, a great layup or two every game. He had one in the title game where he finds a way to just angle his body and squeeze it in there, like one of those running hook shots. But I'm talking like consistently can be a bucket that it's like, hey, if we need to count on you for a three, four-minute stretch, we can just keep feeding you the ball and you can score. And when you look at this Kansas team, like, yes, we saw certain lineups that featured K.J. Adams and Dewan Harris throughout different points of the season, whatever. But for the most part, of the rotation that mattered, of the rotation that played the bulk of the minutes, the lineups that you saw the most, it was basically seven guys for KU, Dewan, Ochai, CB, Jalen, Dave, Remy, and Mitch uh, coming off the bench. No matter who the lineup was, if Dewan is in there, I mean, of those seven players, Dewan's the one guy that you you say, okay, he's not a guy who's just going to go get a bucket. Ochai can go get a bucket. CB can go get a bucket. Jalen Wilson can go get a bucket. David McCormick, again, you throw him the ball in the post, he can go get a bucket. Remy Martin can create his own shot whenever he wants. Mitch Lightfoot had one of the most efficient right-handed hook shots. He can get you a bucket. So no matter what, if you were playing a five that had Dewan and, and four of those other guys in there, you had four guys on the floor who could go get you a bucket. If Remy was in for Dewan, you had five guys on the floor who could go get you a bucket. And again, if you have KJ or Jalen Coleman lands, but those are minimal minutes. So that's not what I'm talking about here. You look at the 2007-2018. Same case again, right? Um, I don't know what you would do with Russell Robinson. Like, he wasn't a huge scorer. But if you go back, like, he had games, I mean, handfuls of games, where he would score 15, 17, 18 points. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, I, I think his, his scoring, not necessarily being a, a high average, was more of a product of there were so many good players on that team, and he knew he was a really good defender and a good facilitator that he didn't have to score. But I think he could have if he wanted to. But let's even say Russell Robinson was not part of the group of, 
you know, could go get a bucket whenever you want, right? Brandon Rush could. Mario Chalmers could. Sharon Collins certainly could. You could throw the ball on the block to Sasha Khan, Darnell Jackson, whether it was sealing off uh, someone or just hitting a, a hook shot. Darrell Arthur could certainly go get a bucket. You had all sorts of dudes, and pretty much no matter who you had on the floor, you had four or five guys with that team that could get a bucket. So again, this is... It's a very vague way of saying things, and it's it's almost simple to say, hey, if you have a lot more guys who can make baskets in a game where whoever scores more baskets, that matters. It sounds simple, but like think back to, you know, like, okay, 2018-2019 uh, Kansas, right? That was one of Bill Self's worst teams, which, funny enough, was still a four seed. But you think back to it, Dedrick Lawson could go get you a bucket. Devon Dotson could Outside of that, like, who do you really turn to? You know what I mean? Again, Quentin Grimes could score, but was there ever, like, a point in time where you would say, hey, for this two, three-minute stretch, like, you take over the game, go get buckets for us, like we saw Christian Brown do at the beginning of the second half? Not really. I It very much matters, and it, it, I think this is probably a national thing as well. Like, the more players you have on the floor that can score, the tougher it is for defenses to defend you. It's It's just that simple. And I wonder if we should just leave it like maybe this whole exercise of trying to find commonalities between title teams um, is just dumb because maybe we just leave it as, hey, they were good teams that happened to break through and have the right mental approach in a tournament that can be unforgiving and a tournament that can be totally random. So maybe the exercise of finding commonalities, again, which is two title teams where you don't have a huge sample size is just a waste of time given the randomness of March. Because think about everything that went right for KU to win the title. If we go back all the way to, to last offseason, right? Ochai had to barely decide to come back to school. And this is just starting last offseason. You could even go further and say KU had to take a chance on a kid who wasn't a, you know, top whatever recruit in the case of Ochak Baji and Kristen Brown and whoever, right? But if we just start from last offseason, all these little things had to go into Kansas winning the title. Ochai had to barely decide to come back to school. He was close to going pro. Jalen figured it out from a slow start to the year. That had to happen. Remy Martin had to get healthy at the right time, and he had to get involved at the right time. If he's out another week, who knows? Maybe he doesn't ever earn his way back in the trust tree of Bill Self. Like maybe what we saw in the Big 12 tournament where he felt like he earned his way back in to that trust tree. Like maybe that never happens if everything's a week later and Bill Self just thinks the timeline is too short to get him back into the swing of things. David McCormick had to be healthy enough. I mean, he was he was dealing with that foot injury all season long, but he had to be healthy enough down the stretch to make it all happen for KU. And he was, or at least he dealt with it enough. Creighton had to throw a pass away, and you had to go 19 of 20 on free throws. I mean, hell, if Kansas shoots free throws like they did in any of the final three games against Miami, against Villanova, against North Carolina, you probably aren't getting by Creighton in the second round. Providence was up one. You had to run into a Remy Martin charge to change the momentum of that game. How many things could you pull individually from the North Carolina game to say if this or that didn't happen, right? There, there's so many small things. You could do this with every title thing, team. Uh, you, there's so many small things that go into winning a title, and that's what makes winning a title even more special and more crazy that it happens because all those little things kind of have to come together. I don't want to say all this to say, like, you know, KU got lucky or anything or other title teams got lucky. 
you kind of earn your luck in a lot of ways. But you do need some favorable moments to win it all. Um, it's an unkind single elimination tournament. You know, 2007, 2010, 2011, 2013, 2016, 2017. All of those were good enough teams to win the title. But none of those had the luxury of getting that maybe break or maybe didn't come through in those moments as this one did. And it's just remarkable thinking about all those things that have to go right. And they did because this team never gave in and, and played well down the stretch. But um, going back to the start of this conversation and tying this all together, that's why I almost don't really want to spend any more time on what makes Bill Self title teams versus non-title teams. Because the point is, if you're really good, you have a shot, but it's not a guarantee. And so you just hope some of those shots, some of those good shots pay off. And that was probably what this season ended up being. Maybe it's not a commonality of, of this team versus that team. And you could go back to other teams. I mean, think of some of the, the great KU runs or great teams that didn't win it as far as this approach goes of what I'm talking about with having a bunch of players that can get you a bucket. 2007 Kansas was basically 08 Kansas. Just not as old, maybe not as good. Um, in fact, yeah, not as good. Um, but they also had Julian Wright on the team, right? That team had more than enough bucket getters, so to speak. They'd always have four to five on the floor. Didn't win the title. Still were a great Bill Self and, and Kansas team, though. 2010, great Kansas team. Maybe you could argue 2010 didn't have four bucket getters. It, it I don't know. That, that one's a little tougher because, like, Cole Aldridge, was he a bucket getter? I don't know. He averaged 15 points a game as a sophomore, 11 as a, a junior. Maybe he is. Um, but Sharon certainly was. The Morris Twins were. Tyshawn Taylor were. But a lot of those guys were really young. Xavier Henry, Xavier Henry was. 2012, this is an interesting one. Because that team made the title game. I would not classify that team as having four or five bucket getters on the floor at all times. Right, like Tyshawn Taylor, for sure. Thomas Robinson, for sure. Is that it? Like Travis Relaford wasn't a bucket getter. Connor Tehan wasn't a bucket getter, right? He was a spot-up three-point shooter. Um, I don't know. Outside of that, like, Elijah Johnson, you could argue he was a bucket getter for that team. But at most, that, that's probably three guys on the floor at all times. Like, Jeff Withy wasn't, he could hit the occasional hook shot, but that was more so, I think, his senior year. He wasn't really a bucket getter. And that team ended up making the title game and was only one way win away from winning it. So is them losing enough to say you have to have it? This way, or is that proof of the opposite that, no, this doesn't even matter either? Um, 2011, 2016, 2017, those teams had a lot of bucket getters on the floor. At all times, probably four or five guys. So, um, again, is that an example of how it's not a guarantee? Or is it just further proof of, I guess, the randomness of March and that, you know, the theory that I'm having right now of four bucket getters on the floor, five on the floor at all times, give you your best shot, it just doesn't guarantee things. I'm honestly not really quite sure, and I don't know, probably not something you'll ever have the answer to, because it's it's impossible to, to totally boil things down to stats and attributes. I mean, they're human beings, right? But looking through um, that scope of, of commonality between the title teams and some of the best Bill Self teams, it definitely doesn't hurt for you to have that many players who can go get you a bucket, because again, in college basketball, they're... There isn't elite shot making to the level of, you know, you watch the NBA or you watch the NBA playoffs throughout the board. So having as many of those guys as possible to pick up for when things are off or just trying to avoid long spells or making it more difficult for the defense to key on one guy or just having multiple options, like it's so key. 
Now, it's funny because I say that, and, and the part about the dry spells, if you have more guys, you can get a bucket. In theory, that helps you so that you avoid longer dry spells. And this Kansas team was very, uh, I don't know, prone to dry spells. Like, it goes back to the Oklahoma State game. They didn't score in, like, nine-minute stretch. They had a big dry spell in the first half against North Carolina in the title game. But just once they all got going, when you have that many guys who can get a shot for themselves, maybe that's the best way to put it instead of bucket getter, like a guy who can score one-on-one, right? Because that's what it was. It just becomes like an onslaught and an avalanche because then it's just pick your poison and and pick and choose who has the best matchup uh, for KU or whatever team that would be in that situation. And so, like, we always know that Bill Self gets his teams where they need to be defensively. He's had a hell of a lot of great offenses, though, too. And uh, I can't help but think having that wide variety of bucket getters, as dumb as it sounds, again, to just say the more good offensive guys you have helps, like, duh. But to me, when you're talking about the biggest commonalities between title teams, which I'm less inclined to, I think the better conversation is what's the biggest commonalities between the best Bill Self teams, Because, again, as all that randomness and crazy things that have to happen to win a title, it's more about can you just be one of those one seeds? Can you just be one of the better Bill Self teams? It doesn't guarantee you win a title, but it puts you in the shot or it puts you in the the Powerball, so to speak, right? And so if you can be in that situation, you know, to get there, I think those are the biggest things I look at. It's the experience, experience under Bill Self. Again, don't really have the answer to how much does overall experience versus experience with Bill Self matter. I would think the Bill Self experience would be way more important given how long it took Remy Martin to kind of get accustomed to things. But, um, and, you know, Joe Yesifu to really work his way into some minutes toward the end of the season there. It's probably that Bill Self experience. But the other thing that I really look at is do you just have a lot of guys? who can go make a shot for you in one-on-one. Doesn't have to be the level of everyone's Remy Martin where they can create off the bounce and shake and bake a guy. But Ochag Baji could drive on a guy and score. Ochag Baji could, you know, hit a little turnaround jumper. Christian Brown could score one-on-one on a guy in transition or on a straight-line drive to the rim. Jalen Wilson, same thing. Really good at driving on a guy. David McCormick, Mitch Lightfoot could score on you one-on-one in the post. I'll be curious to see what this team looks like. I mean, right now, there's so many question marks about who's going to be on the team. Um, like, can Joe Yesifu be that guy? He was that guy at Drake, but wasn't really that guy for KU this season. Bobby Pettiford, haven't seen enough of him. You would think Grady Dick and MJ Rice would be part of that classification. Coming in as McDonald's All-Americans, they can kind of get you a bucket one-on-one. Who knows if Christian Brown or Jalen Wilson come back. Can Zach Clements be that guy? We know Zach Clements can hit a spot-up three as a pick-and-pop. Can he be a guy that gets you one-on-one buckets, you know? That's honestly what I'm going to be looking for, I think, in uh, future Bill Self years. How experienced are you? How how old are you? How much is the experience under Bill Self in the system? And how many guys do you have that can just get buckets? You know, Bill Self's going to take care of the defense pretty well, um, especially if you get a good rim protector, good shot blocker in there. Can you figure out the rest? All right, this is Rock Truck Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. 
RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile expanded their nationwide 5G network to now cover over 80% of Americans. And in just a few years, it could be up to 99% of Americans. Switch today at T-Mobile and receive an iPhone 13. T-Mobile has faster speeds with 5G as fast as Wi-Fi and up to 15 times faster than 4G. T-Mobile covers over 100 million Americans with their high-performance, ultra-capacity 5G. Jesse Newell, Kansas City Star, joins us in about 15 minutes. RCST trivia at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We'll be right back after this on FM 1017-1320-KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. About 20 till 4, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Derek Johnson in today, flying solo as we have RCST Trivia starting up for today's action in the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Joined now, though, by Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Jesse, I was just trying to uh, look into maybe commonalities of, of this KU title team to the 08 team and um, I don't know, even if you'd want to throw in the other Final Four teams to just expand the data points of 2012 and 2018. I, I think 2018 applies to what I'm about to say, but 2012 probably doesn't. Um, all four clearly have lots of experience and experience in Bill Self's system. But one thing I was curious of, when I look at some of the best KU teams in, in both those title teams, I see two teams who, no matter what... Um, what lineup they kind of threw out there as far as the guys who, who most played, like, you know, we saw KJ Adams and whoever for KU, but in terms of the guys who were playing the bulk of the minutes, the biggest lineups, no matter who KU threw on the floor, they seem to have four or five guys who could, who were bucket getters. And, and what I mean by that, it's a very vague way of saying it. I don't mean in the sense of doing what Remy Martin did on Armando Baycott and hitting that like step back three. I just mean, if you're in a one-on-one situation, can you go get a bucket? We saw that a lot with, you know, Jalen Wilson and Christian Brown and stuff and uh, consistently. Dewan Harris, we've seen it from time to time, but I wouldn't put him in that classification. Uh, do you think that's a fair requisite for a KU team, for a national title team to be good? Like they have to have just a lot of guys who can get buckets. Is that just kind of a silly, obvious statement to say? <laughs> yeah, well, um, so I think what you're saying is correct mostly. I I, I hesitate to put prerequisites on teams and what you have to have to win a national title because sometimes this stuff is kind of random. I mean, you know, we were all one half away from looking at North Carolina as an eight seed and trying to put prerequisites on them and saying, oh, you need to have it. The only way to win a title is to be an eight seed and have Brady Minnick on your team, you know? Right. So sometimes this thing just sort of lucks out, and sometimes it's not any more than, hey, you, you beat the teams that were in front of you, you were – more healthy than other teams when you face them. You had a good night when you were an underdog, all those sorts of things. But um, in general, I, I think you're right because I think what Kansas, where Kansas really struggled last year, and uh, I mean, I know this what I'm about to say is probably not a popular opinion or, or something that's going to be taken very well at all, but um, Marcus Garrett was a fan favorite. But a lot of the things you spoke about, that, that was one of his struggles, right? I mean, he was not making other teams guard him when he was out there. And so if you're a guard and you are long and you um, are athletic and can create steals and create buckets the other way, that's really important. Not as important as a big man that can do that, but it's important. But 
you have to do a lot to make up for the offensive end if you just are not a guy that teams have to respect. And that is what I think you're right with on 2008 and 2022. You can talk about Dewan Harris, but when Dewan Harris was in there, and we talked about this throughout the course of the year, he was most effective when there were four other guys on the court who could score. You know what I mean? It's, it's harder um, to make things go because he could move the ball. He could drive bad closeouts. He could make wide open threes, those sorts of things. But I think when you put him and Mitch Lightfoot in there, it was a little bit different. You know, it, it was easier to sag off of two guys and, and KU's offense wasn't humming at the same pace. I think it's also why you found that toward the end of the season, Bill Self made a pretty wise play in that a lot of times when Remy Martin came in the game, he came in with Mitch Lightfoot because that's the same sort of thing. You know, like if you have Remy and Mitch in there, you, you can maybe play off Mitch a little bit, but you can't play off Remy. So those guys kind of complement each other. So I think in general, you're right. Today's college basketball at the very top level, it's really hard to play if, if other teams can sag off of two of your offensive players. I think KU found itself in that scenario too often last year. That's why they weren't as successful offensively. I think this year, you're right, they had a, a pretty nice balance where most of the time they had four dudes on the court and sometimes five who could uh, score or were threats to score, and, and that makes it much more difficult on defense, especially when KU moves the ball side to side like they were late in the season. When you're right about the randomness of March, and, and so maybe the better way of putting it is um, how can you be one of the better Bill Self teams? Because if you're one of the better Bill Self teams, or if you're a good Bill Self team, um, then you know you have a shot at a title if if some of those things start to go your way. And again, like I was, I was kind of thinking through, and, and some of the best teams that you think of in the Bill Self era, they would classify in that way. That pretty much any lineup they would throw out there, there were at least four of the guys who could do that, but 2012 maybe kind of throws that out the window. Um, And I don't know why that is. I don't know. Maybe it's just because Bill Self is so good at kind of figuring things out at some point throughout the the way in the season of getting the defense together, that if you have that talent offensively paired with the defense, like that's enough. But as far as like individual traits or or team traits that they do well, we just put this on our daily poll of, you know, if you could guarantee um, one trait would be good for KU basketball year in and year out to try to make them, you know, maximize that team every year, what would you guarantee? We put up their experience, three-point shooting, athleticism. Is there a different common theme, or if you had to pick one of those, what do you think would be most important year in, year out? Well, you know, my math brain is going to go to something pretty tangible and that's something that studies basically tell us is most important. And um, we know that shooting the basketball is the most important thing in sports. Uh, in college basketball and, and the NBA, it's about 40% of the game. So um, three-point shooting is important. I, I would probably say if you're just looking for something that is consistent and can be done on a game-to-game basis and is pretty reliable, I think KU's had the formula a lot. It, it wasn't necessarily the case last year, but I think a shot-blocking big man who doesn't foul, I mean, that just elevates your team to a complete other level. And like I said, if you don't foul – it's pretty reliable game to game. So I think that's where you see a guy like a Jeff Withy. Uh, maybe he didn't get the credit he deserved, but that that brings you to a level where it's like the other team, you're costing them shooting percentage points every single game because they're not scoring inside the arc. you, you got to get hot from three. you got to hit mid-range jumpers. you got to do different things because that dude's not leaving the lane. And the way that college basketball is set up now, you know, there's no three seconds in the lane when it comes to defense. So a guy like that can kind of camp there and, and wait for guys to drive into him and then send the shot the other direction. So, yeah, Jeff Withy, you know, as a bookie, obviously was that for Kansas. And Cole Aldrich was that for Kansas. And, and you go look at some of KU's best teams. I, I probably listed most of them there, didn't I? I mean, uh, 2018 had Doak. 2012 had 
Withy, uh, you know, 2010 had Aldrich. Uh, a lot of that defensively, you know, some of this stuff can be random, but a lot of it that's not random is you have a big dude in the middle who can reject shots and make sure the other team does not score an easy bucket. So uh, that's probably where I'd start. Now, I say that, so the, the exception now, if we're looking for exceptions, would be 2022 Kansas. And so um, I would probably argue that this wasn't their best defensive team under Bill Self. I mean, they played great down the stretch, and they probably played up to the level in the last month of any of uh, the teams that you would look at in the NCAA tournament and say, hey, they really locked in then. But over the course of the season, they weren't as good as some of Bill Self's other teams, and I think it's because of that. You know, they did not have that true absolute rim protector that was rejecting everything. But they made it work in the end, and obviously they uh, were very connected, as Bill Self likes to say, when it comes to switches and uh, making sure that they communicate well and force teams into very difficult shots. So, um, yeah, it, it worked out in the end for Kansas. But I guess if you're asking me for one thing that Kansas usually can recruit to that would give me the most confidence that they were going to win basketball games, I would start with a, a shot-blocking big man. But doesn't mean that that's the only thing that leads you to wins. And, and this last team proved that. This team won a title, and it didn't really have that, at least not in the true sense that many other Bill Self teams have. Well, we'll see if, if KU ends up having it this next year. I mean, I don't know a ton about, you know, the games of Ernest Uday and Zuby Ejiofer and what the progression of Zach Clements would be or whatnot. But as you look ahead to uh, next year right now, we're, we're pretty close. I think it's only 11 days out from when players have to at least announce if they're going to test the NBA draft waters. Doesn't mean they have to decide if they're coming back or staying in the draft yet. Um, what's kind of your assumption on what happens with, Jalen Wilson, Christian Brown, and David McCormick. Well, yeah, now you can test every year if you want to. So it doesn't really make much sense if you are a potential guy to not test. So I think that you can assume very much that, uh, well, I mean, Ochai's gone. You can assume Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson will test. I would, at this point, again, without talking to Christian Brown, without speaking with him about it, you know, where he's landed on mock draft boards, I think he's got to go. I mean, I, end of the first round, early second round, that's guaranteed money. That's giving you a shot at an NBA roster. Uh, no guarantees next year. And obviously down the stretch, I mean, how, a lot of times when guys come back, hey, you lost in the round of 32. You want to show what you can do in the tournament, all those sorts of things. I mean, that doesn't really apply to Christian. You know, like the dude had one of his best halves of basketball all season in the national championship game against North Carolina. So he really couldn't be on much of a, greater uptick than he is right now. Uh, Jalen's an interesting one because I just haven't seen him on many mock draft boards. Obviously, going pro has been a focus of his, so uh, without having talked to him, I don't know how much of a focus it is. And some guys just want to move on, and that's totally fine too. But with today's NIL world, where if guys come back, they potentially can get signed up for deals where you're going to make around the same amount of money or maybe a little bit more than you would in the G League or professionally outside uh, of the country, that sort of thing. I think that makes his decision a little bit more different than it might have been two or three years ago when that option wouldn't have been on the table. So, yeah, I mean, again, without direct knowledge of these guys or having talked to them since the national title game, I would think that both those guys are in test. I would assume Christian probably is going to get the feedback he likes and stay in. And I would think that Jalen, um, you know, it depends on his mindset, but there could be a path for him to come back and make some NIL money and go one more year and try to boost his draft draft stock at least to a point where he would be a surefire draft pick which i think that's the preferred route you'd like to be in if you're going to leave school yeah i actually i texted someone who, who does nba draft stuff for a living and 
Um, I kind of asked because I was curious. Like, you know, you, you see a lot of fans talking about, well, couldn't Christian come back and, and do what Ochai did and, and kind of be the guy and then move himself up into the lottery? Uh, but this guy said, you know, Ochai just had a lot more tools. And, um, you know, uh, with Ochai last year, he was more of a, like, he was one of the last guys invited to the lottery. So, like, he was maybe a second-round pick last year, whereas Christian is, like, for sure he'd be at least a second-round pick. So it's a little different there. But I, I think the biggest wild cards in um, really all these decisions, but more so the ones like Jalen, I, I don't know. I've always, I've been under the assumption since, uh, like, the week leading into senior day when Dave celebrates and stuff that David McCormick is gone. But when you think through the decision, it, it makes some sense. He would have his, I think, master's degree, um, You've accomplished everything you could want on a basketball court at KU, you know, I, but again, you could also say, but wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? You just were, uh, possibly you could have won final four MOP. Just imagine the NIL money you'd make. I, I don't know what the, what goes into that decision, but the two biggest wild cards I view are both that NIL stuff, which I, I don't know how much we're, we're going to be privy to of like the ideas of, Hey, if you come back, this offers on the table and the other thing is is whatever happens with the NCAA and the IARP, um, I don't know when that's going to come out. I don't know if many of us do, but it certainly seems like it's trending toward being sooner than later. And if the IARP decision comes out, let's say in a month from now, while these players are, are testing the, the draft waters or whatnot, and they say, you know, Kansas is going to be banned from the postseason this year, doesn't that make your decision a little bit easier if you are those guys? Yeah, but the timing of it is tricky. Like you said, that might not be something that's known until three or four months from now, and all decisions have to be made by then. And, I mean, I, again, I, I guess I'll make as many people mad as possible by saying exactly what I think here, but even if Dave wanted to come back, like, why would you? I mean, Dave, like, that's like dropping the mic. You know what I mean? The guy <laughs> faced a lot of criticism over his four years at Kansas, and I'm raising my hand right over here. Like, his junior year, I came on your program and said, look, KU needs to go five guards because this dude is not efficient. He's missing all his two-pointers. Uh, he's taking on a bigger role than he should. So, like, I'm, I'm not casting everyone else and throwing them on the bus saying, hey, everybody else was saying Dave is horrible. Now, listen, senior year, you know I was on Team Dave because he did turn things around and he was an elite offensive rebounder. But junior year, I was totally on the, hey, they've got a better option. They need to go to them. But the dude, I mean, like you said, deservingly, should have been the MOP of the final four, makes the two final shots. I think about, Derek, you know, you walk in by the practice gym at Allen Fieldhouse and there's that big mural of Mario Chalmers' shot. I'm thinking, like, somewhere there's going to be Dave's shot over Manic somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's the shot of the final four. That's the shot of this national championship. So, to me, this is like a huge mic drop moment for David McCormick. Like, there is no reason to leave anybody with any thought or any memory in their mind other than you making that shot of Romantic and just becoming the hero uh, that of the final four run that he ended up being for Kansas and a national champion and remembered as a great, amazing basketball player when that wasn't going to be his legacy for three and a half years. So I, I again, I'm, I'm Dave's going to do what Dave needs to do. And maybe a master's is part of that or NIL, whatever. I, I just think I, I, He's accomplished all he needs to accomplish at Kansas, and he's shown everybody, including me, that he was, uh, you know, deserving of the minutes that he got down the stretch and deserving of Bill Self's trust. So, uh, yeah, if he's going to mic drop and leave this thing, I think now's the time to do it and, and totally do it for me, too, because uh, he, he showed everybody in the end, and I think that's kind of the point he's at now. No reason to come back and, and tarnish any of that just because 
Uh, I think he just accomplished every single thing he could have down the stretch, other than MOP. And uh, like I said, it's, it's a credit to him, a credit for him fighting through the injury that he had. Or counterpoint, he comes back as a 23-year-old man with a, with a healthy foot and averages 20 and 10 and becomes the most accomplished big man in, in Bill Self history. No. <laughs> I mean, I like Derek, like, what was it? I'm January, just he got, he, January he got benched at the Oklahoma State. Uh, yep. He got benched for two or three straight games. I mean, the foot, we don't know about that. I mean, credit to him. He caught that one lob to start the second half. I went back and rewatched. He caught it with one hand and cradled it with two and dunked it in. I'm just still like, in my mind, like, how many times did he do that in his career and that ball bounced off his hand and went out of bounds? And in the biggest moment of the season, the biggest play of the season up to that point, he caught it and dunked it. And, again, he's the hero. So I, I would be walking off stage taking the applause if I'm him. But, like I said, I, I can't tell Dave McCormick what to do. I just I think he should be pretty proud of what he accomplished. Yeah, I wonder what KU's thoughts and, and Bill Self on it are as well. Like, clearly you would, you know, hypothetically, if you said, hey, this guy who should have won Final Four MOP wants to come back, you would say, great, that's going to help our season. But I wonder from, like, a future roster-building standpoint, if Bill Self's like, no, hey, it is time for you to move on and have that mic drop, both for you uh, career-wise and also, you know, we have all these young guys, K.J. Adams, Zach Clemens, we have Cam Martin coming back, uh, these freshmen that we're bringing in. It's going to be a lot tougher for us to keep everyone happy. We might lose some guys via transfer and some guys that we think could be really good players here in a year or two if, if you end up coming back. Yeah, these puzzle pieces shift constantly, obviously, and it's sort of interesting that I think the one type of player they don't have coming in next year is actually a player like Dave. You know what I mean? Like we can talk about Uday and, and kind of what he is, but uh, I would assume as the roster stands right now, that Zach Clemens would be the starting five. And that's kind of different than anything that Bill Self ever had of that position moving, uh, you know, going in the past. So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating discussion, but uh, if I'm Dave, I'm, 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 I'm being cliche here. I'm riding off into the sunset and riding that wave and uh, pretty happy with what I did in my four years of camp. All right, Jesse, before we let you go, kiss, Mary kill. Royals making the playoffs. KU football making a bowl game. KU basketball repeating as national champions. Oh, man, that's a lot of kills probably. <laughs> oh, uh, Got to marry I, something. <laughs> oh, no, that's not good. Um, yikes. Well, I will I'll marry KU in a bowl game just because if it's a long-term relationship, I think that's – I've been so pessimistic on them for so long, but I think that is going to happen soon within the next two to three years. Uh, I'll kiss the Royals in the playoffs. Uh, I, I guess I will uh, just uh, believe that they have enough young guys and that they've made progressions in the minors here in the last few years that maybe they can flip the switch and, and be better than people think. Uh, but, again, that's not, a, that's not a deep kiss. That's a, that's a peck on the cheek probably. And uh, I guess I'll kill KU's uh, chances of repeating just because of the turnover and how hard it is, and you have to get the right bracket, and you have to be healthy. And we've talked about it. I mean, there's at least a possibility there that they're not eligible next year, which kind of uh, would damper your expectations for them winning a title as well. So I guess I will kill that. Uh, same sort of thing what happened in 09. It's, it's really tough to go back-to-back. -back. That's why it doesn't happen that often. And so um, the odds of that happening are probably not very good. So that'll go on the kill meter for uh, this week. All right, he is Jesse Newell. You can check out his work in the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com. Jesse, appreciate you hopping on as always. All right, thanks, Eric. All right, that's Jesse Newell. Check out his work, Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk, one hour down, two to go. RCST Trivia, next.
Well, we're back for RCST Trivia, day number two here. Derek Johnson with you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Once again, RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Geyser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Pella Windows Indoors, Home Field Apparel, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. And thank you to our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery. The weather's starting to warm up outside, so you can head on out there. Check out the outdoor patio. They have dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available at the brewery. You can try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, which, by the way, if you haven't tried the Bill Self Mac and Cheese yet, you're doing something wrong. Um, give them all a try. Everything I've ever had at the 23rd Street Brewery. Amazing food. They've also got great beer you can get to go with their crowlers or in-house as well. That's at the 23rd Street Brewery. Our prizes for this round. So everyone who wins in the first round, you move on to the second round. And by doing so, you receive a $25 gift card from 23rd Street Brewery. You receive a RCST Trivia t-shirt. It's a customized trivia t-shirt with RCST, bracket, all this stuff on it. You can't get it anywhere else. They're not being sold. They're just being given away if you win this first round game and move on into round two of RCST Trivia. So with that, let's get into our matchups for the day. All right, our first matchup of the day between top-seeded Eric Hansey, the defending champion from last year, 11-1 overall in trivia matchups, 49-2 on trivia questions, taking on the 16-seed Paul Stevens out of the Midwest region. Paul, we'll start with you here. Um, getting this draw against a uh, one-seed defending champ, is that intimidating at all? No. You know, I know Eric's game. I looked at all game tape from the last <laughs> couple of years. I'm ready to go. All right, Eric, uh, you got a pretty confident 16 seed over here. Is that, you know, scary at all that you could be part of history is, is a 116 matchup, a little UMBC there? Of course, it's uh, it's a little intimidating and adds a little bit of a fear factor. Um, you know, I've got the trophy sitting behind me, though, so I'll, I'll take a little solace in that and uh, try to get some confidence from just looking back at that. All right, so quick reminder of the rules before we get going. Five tiers of questions. One guy gets it right, one guy gets it wrong. It's over. Otherwise, we keep going. 30 seconds to answer each question. Um, we've gone over some of the other rules before we've gone on here. Um, before we get going, Paul, you are the lower seeds. So you have the choice. Would you rather go first or would you rather go second? Um, I'll go second. All right, so Paul on. is going to go second here. That means Eric, our defending champ, will go first. We'll start up in the really easy category. First up, name a KU assistant basketball coach. So, Fred Kortelbaum. Fred Kortelbaum, yeah. He uh, has a couple sons who play college basketball as well. Neither one at Kansas, though. All right, this one for you, Paul, in the really easy column. Name a former KU head basketball coach. Uh, Barry Brown. That's right, Larry Brown leading KU to the 1988 title. And uh, Bill Self just rode around in his Camaro at the uh, parade over the weekend. All right, on to the easy category. This one for you, Eric. What jersey number did Wilt Chamberlain wear at Kansas? Number 13. Right, as well. Wore 13. I think he wore 13 throughout his NBA career as well with uh, the 76ers and whoever else he was with. All right, this one for you, Paul. What jersey number did Danny Manning wear at Kansas? 25. Correct again. All right, these are the easy ones. Now it gets a little more difficult into our medium section of things. For you, Eric, 
What KU player from 2002 owns the freshman record for most total assists with 252 of them in one season? Aaron Miles. Correct again, just knocking him out of the ballpark. Real easy so far for Eric. It's been easy for Paul so far. Let's see if it continues. All right, to stay alive, Paul, what KU player from 1994 had his record shattered by Miles after he logged 181 assists as a freshman, which at the time was the record before Aaron Miles broke it? 1994. Uh, 1994, that's Jock Vaughn. Correct as well. We got a good 116 matchup here, and again, Good reminder, you know, the seating, it's not personal, just when you registered and all that sorts of stuff. So, uh, Paul, I think maybe earning his way to a higher seat if he comes back next year, but he could still come away with the victory here in this one. On to the hard round of things. We're going to pick up the intensity here. All right, for you, Eric, what Jayhawk guard played from 1978 to 1981 and holds the KU record for most free throws made in school history? Arnell Valentine. Oh, that was good. Real quick, too. Nice one. Knew Ooh, that one had, right away. That was a toughie. The 70s and 80s are hard. Yeah, they are. That's kind of the, uh, I mean, there's there's really no down decade in Kansas basketball, but, you know, uh, comparatively to other decades, like those are, those are kind of the ones. All right, uh, this one for you, Paul. Try to stay undefeated. Valentine's freshman year ranked fourth on KU's school free throw attempts list in a freshman season. He had 143 attempts. First on the list for most free throw attempts by a freshman was 227. What Bill Self player would that be? Bill Self freshman. That is, oh, I'm trying to think who played enough. Mm. I'm going to have to go Wiggins because I can't think of anybody else that played that much. Is that your final answer? Wiggins, yeah. Ooh, coming in clutch there. Andrew Wiggins, the one. See, that was good. You did the thought process. You had it go through. You figured out a, a logical reason to guess someone. All right, on to the really hard round. This is when things get real tough. This one for you, Eric. Kansas won the national championship in 1988. What player led that team in assists per game? For this season? Yes. Oh, God. I want to say Pritchard. I'll go Kevin Pritchard. And a good logical guess there. I mean, that, that felt like an educated guess. Uh, Kevin Pritchard, 3.1 assists per game. Doesn't seem like a very high number, but hey, that's what got it done with Danny and the Miracles. Okay, this is quite the first matchup of the day, quite a 116 matchup. Paul, Danny Manning owns the top two marks for most 30-point games in a single season at Kansas. Third on that list, with six, is what KU player from 1985? Who I'm thinking, Kellogg or Thompson, I would say, let's go Calvin Thompson. Oh man, you were between the two. The other answer was the correct one. It was Ron Kellogg. 
Man, I, oh, I feel wow. bad about this. Again, like, I don't, you know, there's only so much we can do with the seeding. No, we didn't no, have a track absolutely. record on you. But like I said, I, I think more than enough in this matchup, you earned your way to a higher seed if you come back. We hope you come back next year, and hopefully it'll be <laughs> yeah. a, a little more direct path for you to move on. How do you think you fared in uh, this first edition, and how much is, is that answer going to haunt you? I mean, it is what it is. Eric is a is a really good adversary, so I think he would have gotten me, but I wish I had the Pritchard question as opposed to that one because I, I felt more confident about that, but that's good. Great job, Eric. Good luck. Yeah, that's a commonality of, of RCST trivia. It's part of the randomness. It's, you know, doesn't necessarily not the most fair way, but it's like the NCAA tournament. Sometimes it's not the best team who wins it. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, you got to get the right role of, of the ball or anything. But Eric's certainly a very deserving and yeah. has shown to be the best in, in RCST trivia as well. Eric, uh, what do you think of getting tested right here in the first round with your 16 seed? Well, I felt like Gonzaga maybe this year, right? You know, you're, you're <laughs> up by two at halftime and, and coming out. And I mean, honestly, my hands are a little, little sweaty because I, 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 this is a, a, you know, you say to listen to the other um, broadcasts, and I listened yesterday, and uh, your co-host had a great idea. I was going to say Danny Manning on the '88 question, but that just seemed too logical for a hard question. So, uh, kind of went with the guess with Pritchard. I, I don't know how much longer I could have gone. Those are going to get tough, I think. So, Well, great matchup, you guys. Paul, again, I, I hope that we get you back next year. Like I said, you've earned yourself yeah. a higher seed, that's for sure. And uh, thank you guys for both being a part of this. Eric, look forward to hearing more from you in a couple weeks. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Wow. Talk about an absolute barn burner. Paul and Eric just killing it there. I, again, I, like, I feel bad for Paul when you get a 16 seed, but... You know, when I don't have a past record on you, pretty much, again, how the seeding process works, um, anybody who has past history of, like, a positive, a winning record, we try to seed you in order, but, again, we're going to move stuff around based on who can play win, who can play win in the same region as other people so that we don't really have many speed bumps. And there are some storyline things we try to, you know, doctor to as well. But then outside of that, Pretty much if you're like a 500 record or a below 500 record in your past trivia or you've never appeared, it's basically just first come, first serve, and that's how the seeds are done. But Paul proved himself pretty well that, uh, you know, he could come back and, and be a much higher seed and be a dangerous seed next year. But Eric, the defending champ for a reason, he always uh, finds a way to work his way through and composed under pressure. All right, we're going to get on to our second RCST trivia matchup coming up next. Eric winning a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and an RCST trivia t-shirt. Find out who wins the next pair of those prizes coming up next. All right, we have our second RCST trivia matchup of the day. It's between the two seed, Andrew Filer, and the 15 seed, Kristen Martin. And, you know, the NCAA tournament, sometimes we see, like, Kansas-Wichita State in the second round, and you're like, is the committee seeding based off storylines that they want to happen? And that's always been a riveting debate. Well, I'll tell you this. I very much do seed off of storylines, and, um, you know, Kristen uh, was the uh, wife of Kyle Martin, who uh, played Andrew. They're, they're good friends. They played in the Sizzling 16 last year. Andrew got the better. So, Kristen, you have the opportunity here now to get revenge for your husband. Has, has he told you that? Like, is, is there extra pressure on you today? I think we both know what to expect from my my trivia skills here. So he's not put very much pressure on me. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Andrew, uh, I don't know. This might be like playing with house money for the Martin family then. Uh, they could get two cracks at you. Kyle could play you again in the Sizzling 16. Do you feel like this added even more pressure to you? 
I always feel like there's pressure. And I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm, ner- I'm nervous every time, but then see Kristen's going against me. It's just, this is, this is Kyle's dream. <laughs> this is my dream right now. So, no, this, I don't, this, I, this will be fun either way, so. Okay, well, Kristen, you are the 15 seed. Andrew made the grade eight. He's got the two seed this year. So you have the option. Would you rather go first or would you rather go second? I was not prepared for that. Um, I think Andrew likes to go first, so I'll just go second. Okay, so you're going to actually let him do what he wants to do. Interesting. All right. I, I am. I am. Wow, it's... it's... I'm just playing for the ride. Yeah, so, playing for the know. strength. That's all right. All right, so Andrew, you are up first into our really easy category. Andrew, name any KU basketball player ever. <laughs> any player ever? Yep, anyone. Paul McKeskey. That's for you, Derek. <laughs> I wish. I, I honestly should have just asked you a Paul McKeskey question, even though it would have been really hard. You, you would have probably got it right. I'm sure you know the whole story on Paul McKeskey now. Um, all right, this one for you, Kristen. Name Another KU basketball player all time. Uh, Clyde Lavelle. There you go. I like this. We're going with historical players. Could have gone with a current guy, but I like it. We reached back into the uh, history there. All right, on to the easy questions. With 4.58 in the first half of the 2008 Final Four, this is for you, Andrew, Kansas led North Carolina 40-12. to 12. What Kansas player had as many points as North Carolina did as a team at that point in time? Uh, that was Brandon Rush. Yes, it was. Brandon Rush with the uh, famous uh, kind of screen grab with showing him as, as many points as North Carolina. All right, this one for you, Kristen. In that same 2008 Final Four against North Carolina, this Kansas backup center wound up playing a very key role. He had eight points, seven rebounds, and four blocks, and eventually would go on to be All-Big 12 the following two seasons. Came off the bench, had a big game against Tyler Hansborough and Carolina, and all Big 12 the next two seasons. Really thought that I was going to be better at this second question. Um, I'll go with Cole Aldridge. There you go. Grabbed it out of the bag at the last second. Cole Aldridge, the correct answer. So you stay alive. And now the pressure back to Andrew. All right, Andrew, on March 9th of 2002, what Kansas guard set the school record for assists in one game by a freshman. He had 15 of them against Texas Tech. So a freshman Kansas guard 2002 set the school record for single game assists with 15. Uh, Aaron Miles. That is correct. Aaron Miles, 15 assists. I'm pretty sure that was a uh, Big 12 quarterfinal game. I mean, talk about the performance in Kansas City. All right, Kristen, to stay alive, in 2006, this KU guard set the school record for most steals in one season by a freshman with 89 of them. Who is he? Can you say that one more time, please? Yeah, in 2006, this KU freshman guard set the school record for most steals in a season by a freshman with 89 of them. Who is he? 
gonna guess Mario Chalmers. There you go. See, you're you're knocking them down right away. Three and O to three and O. Andrew's smirking over there. I think he uh, he was hoping for a little easier first round matchup. What I expected. I knew this was gonna happen. <laughs> All right, on to the hard round. Andrew, what player from 2017-2018 tied the record for KU by playing in 39 games as a freshman? So 2017-18 season. Played 39 games as a freshman, which tied the school record for most games played as a freshman. Um, I'm going to go with Devon Dotson. Uh-oh. The correct answer is Marcus Garrett. Uh, Devon Dotson yeah. was a freshman the following season in 2018-2019. Yep. Okay, Kristen, you have the opportunity to do what your husband could not last year. Here we go. The record that Marcus Garrett tied for most games played by a freshman was previously held, or I guess still held because it was tied, by two players who also played in 39 games as freshmen in 1997 to 1998. One was a wing, another was a big man. Name one. Thirty-nine games. You can like file the, the late '90s time frame is a real weak spot for me. <laughs> you got about ten um, seconds. Uh, Nick Collison. Andrew still alive. The correct answer is either Eric Chenoweth or Kenny Gregory would have worked. They played thirty-nine games as a freshman in the 1997-98 season in which KU had a, another great season but fell short in the NCAA tournament. Okay, we're going to uh, stick around in the hard round. Andrew, what Bill Self big man owns the KU freshman record for most total blocks with 72 of them? It's a freshman record, you said? Yes, freshman record. Bill Self. Yeah. About 10 seconds. I'm stuck between two people, but I, I'm going to say Jeff Withy. <clears throat> Jeff Withy did not play enough as a freshman. I think he transferred over from Arizona. I think he, that's what I think he transferred. That's where I was stuck. What was I the uh, other answer you were stuck between? I was going to say Nicole Aldridge. The correct answer was Joel Embiid. It's 72 oh, of them nice. in wow. 2014. All right, another shot yeah. for you, Kristen. Prior to this season, because this season we had all these players, Mitch Lightfoot and stuff, who played a, a billion games. But prior to this season, what Bill Self point guard is second all-time, or was, only trailing Danny Manning in total games played at KU with 146 of them? Can you say the whole question one more time? Yeah, so prior to this season, because this season it got passed, but prior to this season headed in, what Bill Self point guard was second on the all-time games played list for KU? He was a Bill Self point guard. He had 146 career games played. Uh, 
Got about 10 seconds. Uh, Devontae Graham. The correct answer is Tyshawn Taylor. At 146 career games played. Alright, we're going to scoot down to the medium round once again. This one for you, Andrew. In 2003, Kansas beat Dwayne Wade in the final four, 94 to 61. What school did they beat? Marquette. That is correct. And back to the winning ways. All right, Kristen, to stay alive. <laughs> Kristen, in that same year in 2003, prior to beating Marquette in the final four, Kansas mm-hmm. beat Luke Walton in the Elite Eight. What school did they down? So basically, who did Kansas beat in the 2003 Elite Eight? Oh, Kyle made me <laughs> go through <laughs> these seasons, and I'm trying to remember. Um, about 10 seconds. Arizona. Wow. Just out of, oh my gosh. Arizona, the correct answer. That's a couple times you've gotten close to the uh, time limit, but you found a way to hit it. All right, so we go back to the hard round. All right, this one for you, Kristen. Who was the first Bill Self? Oh, I'm sorry. This is for Andrew. No, good catch. Good catch. All right, Andrew. Who was the first player Bill Self coached at KU that he had drafted to the NBA? He didn't have to recruit him, just the first player he coached at KU that was drafted. Ten seconds. I'm thinking I'm going to miss someone from the year before. I'll say Wayne Simeon. That is correct. Man, you guys have been killing it with these uh, shot clock expiring shots here. All right, this is to you, Kristen, to stay alive. What Bill Self point guard owns the record for most games started in one individual season with 40 of them? Prior to this season. I'm sorry, I forgot to read that part. So what Bill Self point guard owns the record for most games started prior to this season in one individual season with 40 of them? Um, I have to go back to Mario Chalmers. The correct answer was a teammate of Mario. It was Russell Robinson. Um, on that 08 team, Mario didn't start on senior night. Russ Rob did. It was a valiant effort by you, Kristen. <laughs> you had a couple chances to take out Andrew, but just fell a little bit short. I, I think you, you, you did pretty well, though, in, in your first appearance. What did you think of, of this go-around? I, um, I mean, I think I did a lot better than I expected. So <laughs> apparently the studying worked. <laughs> There we go. Well, Andrew, you were pushed to the limit. At, at what point, I mean, at any point, did you think you were going to bow out during this matchup? When I missed the block shot one, I thought she was going to get the next one. I really did. I thought that was it. I I did. That's. It. But that also, like she says, the studying thing. Kyle won't study with me right now. So <laughs> this is, this is you know, 
this is what I get. I need to put a little more effort in before these next couple rounds, I suppose. So, Well, Andrew, survive in advance. We hear that cliche all the time, but you're doing it. Um, yeah. Both of you guys, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being good sports. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll get round two with uh, Andrew and Kyle, who now has even more reason to get revenge because you just took his wife out of the tournament. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Good game, Andrew. Thanks, Derek. Man, another great first-round matchup. Again, 215. See, the, the 215 we had yesterday was great. I think what we're finding is, as we've gotten to year three of RCST trivia, everyone who's joining now is, and I don't mean this is offense to anyone who joined and flamed out in the past, um, everyone who's joining knows their stuff or they know what to expect. I think by year three, now that we've had it more times, you listen to it more or you study more, you understand what you have to do, what these types of questions are, so you start to get more familiar and, and you just, you know, uh, people are, are doing really good this year, I think, so far. So even the people who've lost, like, I think you've all done fantastic so far. So some good matchups earlier today. Uh, continuing on, coming up next, you're listening to RCST Trivia on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. We got our third matchup of the day for RCST Trivia. Mike Colton, the 11 seed, and the 6 seed, Alex Fair. And these are two experienced uh, RCST Trivia players here. Alex, in his case, one and one in trivia matchups. Mike has been in three. He's gone one and two. And, and the one win I think you had was over a one seed in the first year that we did this. This is in the South region. We'll start with you, Mike, as the underdog here. You you thrived in this role a couple of years ago, like I said, getting that big uh, early win in RCST trivia. So what are you looking for out of yourself here in year three? Just looking forward to having a good time. Uh, hopefully I do better than last year. Um and maybe do an inner, my inner George Mason. We'll see what happens here. There you go. Yeah, 11 seed. <laughs> I, I liked how you brought up George Mason as opposed to the VCU 11 seed. Good choice there. Uh, I chose my answer wisely. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Alex, meanwhile for you, you're a six seed. Um, coming back into RCST trivia this year. I think you were in it for the first time last year, or were you in it in 2019 and missed last year? Uh, I think it was two years ago. So uh, what have you learned? You've had some time to self-reflect. Have that, has that year gap in between, has it just been focused on RCST trivia? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I've been hitting the books, studying up, watching game tape. Uh, I'll see uh, I'll see Mike's George Mason and raise him uh, a 1988 Kansas as a six seed, hoping to, hoping to go all the way. All right, love it. So uh, just a quick reminder of the rules. We're going to go back and forth. One person gets it right, one gets it wrong. We're done from there. Uh, if you were in it two years ago, you would have remembered it was a shorter timer. We've changed it to a 30-second timer. So you have more time. It's, it's a lot more than than you'd think. It's still, you know, it, it goes quickly when you're on the clock, but it, it is longer than you think. You'll have a five-second buzzer. We'll give you a 10-second warning as well. Um, Mike, you are the lower seed is the 11. Would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I'll go first. All right, Mike Colton going to go first. That means Alex Fair going to go second. All right, so this one, first up for you, we'll start in the really easy category. Mike, name one player on this past year's KU basketball team. Ochai Abaji. There you go. All-American, National Player of the Year candidate with Ochai. You're on the board. Alex, first one for you. Name one player on this upcoming KU basketball team minus... Um, well, I didn't print this. He's minus the player he just said, but he said, oh, child, can't be on the team. And feel free to speak into existence someone coming back here. Um, I'll say uh, Christian Brown returns for his senior season. That'll do. Who knows? Christian Brown maybe wanted to come back, play in Columbia next year, and 
You, know, you can dunk on someone, get a technical, who knows. All right, on to the easy category. What four seed did Kansas take down in this past season's Sweet 16? Providence, the Friars. Yes, sir. Extra points for the mascot. All right, this one for you, Alex. What nine seed did Kansas take down in this past season's second round? Creighton. That's correct as well. Creighton, the Blue Jays. Close game, Kansas. Went 19 of 20 on free throws. Who knows what would have happened if that would not have been the case. All right, this one. Back to you, Mike, into the medium category. What jersey number did Josh Jackson wear at Kansas? Jersey numbers are not my forte. Josh Jackson. I'm going to say 20. It's probably not right. Correct answer is number 11. Josh Jackson, one and done, wearing the number 11. So you can do it right here, Alex. Here's your chance. What jersey number did Ben McLemore wear at Kansas? Pretty sure I know this. Just going through my mental uh, uh, Rolodex here. I'm pretty sure it was number 23. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is correct. Ben McElmore wore number 23. I think there's a big Ben McElmore Rock Chalk Rumball Classic jersey that's signed hanging in 23rd Street Brewery, our title sponsor here. Uh, so that does it. Alex with the win there. Now, Mike, you said jersey numbers, not your forte. So I think that's only the second jersey number question we've had in all our trivia matchups so far throughout this year. So just a, a little bit unfortunate that you happened to get that draw there. Um, is that just something that, you know, you're, you're going to study into next year? Or is that something that you're just not going to worry about and hope you don't get that draw next time? <laughs> Probably a little of both, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, just... I know the history and a lot of the players, just not so much on the jersey numbers. You know, you're watching the game, you don't really pay attention to the jersey numbers, but something they'll obviously bone up for for next year. And that is the brutality of RCST trivia. I, I don't know what you guys are good or bad at. We just have the questions and we ask them, and sometimes it's like the NCAA tournament. The ball might roll your way, it might not. Alex, meanwhile, you hit that one with Ben McElmore. Would you have known Mike's question? Did you know Josh Jackson's jersey number? Um, my first instinct was one, but, uh, I was, I was, uh, thinking about it while he was answering it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have gone with 11. Yeah. Um, Mike, did, did you know Ben McLemore's at the very least? Me? Yeah. Uh, no, I, like I said, Jersey numbers, unless it's Danny Manning or I, I mean, I went to school in the late nineties, early two thousands, all those guys like Heinrich and Gooden and, and those guys, um, Lester Earl, just cause that's why <laughs> watched on campus and stuff but yeah jersey numbers like i said are not my uh strong suit but hey it is what it is yeah you gotta know everything to, to win this thing so yep we really do try to test a little bit of everything well mike we hope we get you back next year and hopefully we don't get a, a jersey number question for you because i think that you've proven over your previous experiences you certainly know ball and ku basketball alex congratulations you're moving on to the second round you're getting a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and an RCST Trivia t-shirt. And thank you guys both for uh, joining again in RCST Trivia. Yep, have a good thank day. You. Good luck, Alex. That's a bit of a shorter matchup there that time. And yeah, I mean, it's funny because no matter who loses, I always feel bad. Um, 
you know, these are people who know their stuff. It's just sometimes you can find a hole in the knowledge. And we found last year the jersey number questions were really causing issues for people. Last year, though, the ones that we asked were more to the tune of name a Kansas player who wore the number this. So this year we've tried to switch these around. If you're listening to this, this will help you in future questions get prepared for. Is this player wore what jersey number on the other side? Because it's easier, I think, to get the mental cue of, hey, what player wore this? And you can't envision a player in your head. You just see the jersey number. If you say what player wore this, maybe you can envision the player, what number he wore. So uh, I would definitely be on the lookout for those down the road because we have more of those upcoming. So if you're looking for something to study, that could be a uh, nice little telltale sign of that. All right, we're going to get on to our fourth RCST trivia matchup in just a little after this timeout. You're listening to RCST Trivia on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com. Depend on it. All right, our fourth matchup of the day here for RCST Trivia. We've got an 8-9 matchup. Always should be a good one here in the South region. The winner of this one will take on the winner of the 116 matchup with Isaac and Quan. And uh, in this one, Nick Duncan versus Justin Ryman, two first-timers into RCST Trivia. Uh, just a reminder with the rules, we're going to go through all our different answers, 30 seconds to uh, answer the question. If you have any questions about the question, specificities or whatever, feel free to ask. I can also repeat the question for you if you need me to. Um, the timer will continue to run, though, with 30 seconds, and we'll warn you when you're getting close to uh, running out there. So uh, just barely, Justin, you are the slightly lower seed, the nine seed. Would you rather go first or would you rather go second? Oh, I'll go second. <laughs> okay, so Justin's going to go second. I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions here, though, before we get going. Justin, first timer into RCST trivia, how would you describe your KU fandom level? Out of a scale of nine, uh, 1 to 10, I'm probably a 9.5, 10. Okay, and uh, when did you get into KU basketball? Uh, 19, the summer of 1986, actually. Dad was a high school basketball coach. He went to a Larry Brown coaching clinic, came back to Nebraska with a ton of swag. He gave it to me. I left Husker fandom for Jayhawk Nation, and here I am. Well, uh, Justin, we were talking before we went on air here. You said you went to some games, 92, 93, when you were seven or eight years old, and you've stuck ever since. That must have been a good first year to be involved with KU basketball that 93 team making it to the uh, final four yeah i think i saw him in lincoln play that year uh is where i got to see him play when they played nebraska so oh, i'm sorry I, I meant that one for nick uh, nick with with your ku fandom starting then um was that was that kind of added to it the fact that the first kansas team you saw in person you know went that far in the ncaa tournament yeah definitely I, that, like i said my first game was uh oklahoma at allen Fieldhouse, and we had beat him I think they had a good team that year, and you know, Rex Walters was 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 my guy, I guess. But didn't didn't quite make it all the way, but definitely Final Four. That was, was a good season. All right. Well, we're going to get into the questions here. Um, I forget what you said, Justin. Did you say you wanted to go first or second? I'll go second. Okay. So Nick, you're going to go first here. Really easy question. What jersey number did Sharon Collins wear at Kansas? Number four. That is correct. Sharon Collins, Donnie, number four. A couple really good former Jayhawks wearing that number four. All right, this one for you, Justin. What jersey number did Mario Chalmers wear at Kansas? Chalmers? Oh, Jesus. Uh, 
I can see the shot. I can see the miracle, but I can't put a jersey number on it. Oh, my God. What a way to flame out. We got plenty uh, of time. Think it through. Wow. Uh, got about 10 seconds. Uh, was it? Give us a number. Ten. The correct answer is 15. 15. God, I knew it was a two-digit number, and I just I was flaming out. I apologize. No, wow. it's all good. Those jersey number questions, some people, they got them right off the top of their head. They can picture the player. They can picture the jersey. Uh, but some, you know, for others, it's it's tough. And that that's the difficulty of RCST trivia. You don't know what some people are experts at. You don't know what others uh, might struggle in, and that's kind of the beauty of this, too. You could get any question anybody could be asked. Any question? Let me ask you this, Nick. Did you know the answer to uh, Justin's question? Yeah, I did. But when you gave me mine, it it took me a few seconds to wait a second. Sharon, uh, uh, so I, I get it. Uh, trust me, I get I it. Pop up right away, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, brain fart. So, <laughs> well, Justin, let me ask you: how, how much do you think the you know, if I would have walked by you on the street and asked you what number Mario Chalmers wore compared to being in this setting, there's a little pressure. You have the timer and the clock. How much do you think that kind of played into what you oh, termed big, as the brain fart? Oh, big time pressure. Well, Justin, <laughs> we appreciate you joining. I know it was short lived and I know you wish it would have gone a little bit longer, but we hope we get you back next year. Um, and maybe we can get you a little further without one of those Jersey number questions. Nick, congratulations. You're moving on with the, uh, I guess one hit knockout there onto the second round. So congratulations. Thank you to both of you guys. Yep. Yeah, Nick, go, go upset the 16 seed, Nick. Uh, I'll, I'll try. All right. So we had our first two matchups were barn burners in games that were like 116, 215 matchups. This is this is an indictment on me. I seeded things poorly because our 8-9 matchup, which is supposed to be like, you know, the two closest teams, was a one-round knockout. Um and that's back-to-back matchups now that it ended on the jersey number question. People have trouble with those, man. I'll tell you, going back to last year, and like I said in the previous segment last year, the questions we would ask was name a Kansas player to wear this jersey. And we thought those were harder, so we switched it up this year to this Kansas player wears this jersey. What jersey number did he wear? Because you see the player, and at least that's the hope, that you could see the uh, jersey number on the back. But maybe maybe we should just start putting those in like the hard category because uh, apparently they're a little harder than... Maybe we think there, but maybe we'll have some more Jersey number questions today. I guess we'll just wait and see. All right, we've got another RCST trivia matchup coming up. We're going to air that at the top of the 5 o'clock hour for our uh, fifth matchup today. It's going to be a 6-11 matchup between Max and Steve. Two hours down, one to go. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. And, of course, if you missed any of our trivia from earlier today, we're going to re-air everything in our best of RCST podcast, wherever you find your podcasts. This is RCST. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We've got five trivia matchups today, so bleeding over into the five o'clock hour here. Our first four, the higher seed, or I, I don't know how you define that, the better seed, because what's higher? Is it the one closer to 16 or is it the one, whatever. The better seed has won all four matchups so far. Our last matchup for the day features a 6-11 matchup with Max, the sixth seed, 
and Steve, the 11 seed. This is in the Midwest. Uh, all our matchups, um, coincidentally, outside of our first one yesterday, Quinton in the East. The rest have all been done in the South and the Midwest. We don't have any second-round matchups set yet. Uh, the collision course between Nick and Nick is still a possibility in the South. Nick, the 8 seed. Nick uh, Schwartz, the 5 seed, with Nick Duncan, the 8 seed. And then uh, Alex, the sixth seed in the South, with Tate, the two seed in the South, winning yesterday. Uh, today, we also saw Eric and Andrew Filer, the one and two in the Midwest, advance on. So this one in the Midwest and uh, possible sizzling 16 collision course between Andrew, who we saw advance earlier today, and the winner of this one, if they can win this one and then get by the next round, possibly against Kyle Martin or Eli Loney. But, uh, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Anyway, let's get on to our fifth and final RCST trivia matchup of the day. It is the sixth seed, Max Lennon, versus the 11 seed, Steve Klein, out of the Midwest region. We'll start with you, Steve, as the uh, lower seed here as the 11. Your first appearance in RCST trivia. Um, so are you nervous? Are you just kind of... Uh, you know, dumbfounded of what to expect. What are kind of your emotions and thoughts headed into this? I'm eager. Let's 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 go. I'm I'm, I'm eager. Well, how would you categorize your your KU fandom? How how long have you been a fan? What does it kind of date back to? Uh, basically, uh, became became a fan probably like Danny Manning's freshman year. Uh, I was 11 and kind of got into college basketball at that point, and uh, not real. Not as much as the next year when they, you know, went to the Final Four and that that kind of sold me. And and I've been a season ticket holder, went to KU uh, in the '90s and uh, gone to Final Fours. And unfortunately, wasn't in New Orleans last week, but uh, would have been nice. Yeah, unfortunately, well, that uh, could bode well for you. With you know, if you've been around a lot of KU basketball and some of those '80s and '90s teams, you never know what question you're going to be asked in this event. Uh, Max, you were in this event last year. You're the sixth seed this year. You won your first round matchup, lost in the second round, six and two overall in trivia questions. Uh, are you doing anything differently? Are you preparing? Are you studying? Or are you just going all based on what you know? Uh, just pretty much going all based on on what I know. Uh, didn't really didn't really study or anything in, uh, in for for anything in particular. Just uh, just kind of going for it. All right, is there a, uh, I don't know, is there an era, time period that you feel like you know KU basketball the most? I mean, honestly, from from probably my lifetime, I feel pretty pretty comfortable um, from 93 on. Uh, some of the earlier stuff outside of, like, obvious, you know, famous players and coaches like Fog Allen, Will Chamberlain, Jojo White, all that stuff, you know. Um, I might have a little bit of trouble with if it's like team specific, uh, but for the most part, I, I feel pretty comfortable from from 90s on, and then everything else is just kind of a crapshoot. Um, <clears throat> I went out on a 90s question last time, which is kind of a bummer, but uh, but yeah, I pretty much I feel comfortable pretty much all that. <clears throat> all right, so we're gonna get to our first question, Steve. You're the lower seed. Would you rather go first or go second? Oh, uh, second. All right, Steve's going to go second. Max is going to go first. So we're going to go through our five levels of difficulty here. One of you gets it right, one of you gets it wrong. It's done. Otherwise, we keep going from there. Our last matchup just missed in the really easy round. That was our first one of the year. So hopefully we can get a little bit more out of you guys here in this one. First up will be Max. Max, 
Fill in the sentence. Rock blank. Chalk. That is correct. Rock chalk. These are the really easy questions designed for you guys to hopefully get these right. All right, this one for you, Steve. Fill in the sentence. Beware of the blank. Fog. Correct as well. Beware of the fog. All right. Through the really easy round. We made it to the easy round. On to our second round of questions for you, Max. Kansas made the 2008 and 2018 Final Fours, both of which were hosted by what city? San Antonio. That is correct. San Antonio, one of those, a phenomenal time. The other one, not so much. All right, this one for you, Steve. Kansas also made the Final Four this past year. They also made it in 2012, both of which were hosted by what city? New Orleans. That's right. New Orleans. You mentioned wishing you were in New Orleans, so I had a feeling you were going to get that one right. These are just random how these questions come up. But uh, All right, on to the medium round. For you, Max, in 2012-2013, this redshirt freshman for KU set the school's freshman record for minutes played with 1,191. What's his name? Andrew Wiggins. That is incorrect. Um, The correct answer is Ben McLemore. Wiggins was the 13-14 season. Also, the keyword there was redshirt freshman. Which was oh, the you case. said redshirt. Oh, I thought you said freshman record. It was the oh. freshman record, but it was this redshirt freshman set the school's freshman record. That's where you... It's tough. It's tough. All right. Steve, you can move on if you answer this one correctly. In 2018-2019... This true freshman guard at KU finished second on the school's freshman list for minutes played with 1,168. What's his name? Uh, freshman guard. I would, you said freshman guard, right? Freshman guard 2018-2019. Yeah, so it has to be either Grimes or Dotson. Uh, I would think Dotson... Devon Dotson played more than Grimes, so I'll go with Dotson. Devon Dotson is the correct answer. So we ended there in the medium round. Max, I I feel bad because I feel like that's one where if you would have maybe had me re-ask the question or if you would have, I don't know, maybe taken a little more time. Sometimes you think you know it right off the bat and then you realize, oh, I missed that one detail. Yep. Is that one that you're just going to kind of be uh, shooting yourself in the foot over? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I should have known that Wiggins didn't play that year anyways, so that was kind of my fault. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, like, when I heard, just when I heard that, I thought immediately freshman in that era around that time, thought Wiggins. And, yeah, I definitely, uh, I didn't, I, I probably wouldn't have, even if I would have taken time to think about that, I probably wouldn't have even realized, oh, yeah, Ben Mackmore was the redshirt freshman and, so yeah, it's, I'll kick myself over it, but it's all right. You know, it's part of the game. Would you have gotten Steve's question correct? Yes. <laughs> as soon as he said Grimes and Dotson, I knew immediately that he was on the right path. And uh, and I knew he was going to choose Dotson because, yeah, obviously Grimes had that kind of was in the doghouse with Bill for that season. And, yeah, I, I would have gotten it right. <laughs> but well, that's, that's, 
That's the tough Stay luck to the of the game. draw. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. uh, you know, it, it may not be the the best way to determine it. We're not doing seven game series like the NBA, so don't take yeah. it as any slight. But it certainly makes it exciting and high pressure, just like the NCAA tournament. We don't always see the best team win it all. Steve, uh, would you have known Max's first question there in the medium round? I w- yes, I would have. Uh, the, I did hear you say the redshirt freshman. So pretty much as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh well, uh, it had to be Jamari Trailer or. Ben McLemore, they were both redshirt freshmen. And, yeah, I mean, McLemore was obviously the better one. Well, this is your first RCST trivia appearance. Uh, what do you think of the event? What do you think of – do you feel the pressure as the questions are going and the clock's ticking? Uh, I don't know about that. I, I'm anxious to, you know, move on and, and uh, be exposed to some other questions. And, and then I think the answer would probably be yes. All right, well, guys, I appreciate it, Max. Sorry it fell short this year, but we hope you're back next year and can continue to be a trivia mainstay. Steve, congratulations. Your first appearance, you're getting a win. You're getting a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and an RCST trivia T-shirt. So uh, look forward to seeing you on your next matchup. Thank you. Man, tough one for Max there. That's why, you know, uh, it goes both ways. Um, If you can answer it quickly, it usually means you know it, but... Um, sometimes, you know, you, you leave out an important detail, which was the redshirt freshman and, you know, 2012, 13 and 13, 14, I can see why those would blend together. They're so close together, you know, um, but the redshirt freshman, that was the key clue. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't know if he just didn't hear it or, um, what the process was there, but unfortunately, cause I do think Max really knows his, his KU stuff, but just falling a little bit short there and Steve Klein, I mean, we only got through the medium round with Steve, so you never really know. You, you really get the true test with trivia contestants in the hard and really hard round, but Steve seemed to know his stuff. He could be a uh, dangerous six seed in the Midwest region. All right, that is our fifth and final matchup for RCST Trivia today. We have three more matchups coming up on tomorrow's edition. A reminder, RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kurt Geeser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. Our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery. We can get dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available. The outdoor patio that today maybe not the greatest day for it is open for the weather when it's warmer like it was yesterday before it uh, started to storm. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, and any of the great menu items at 23rd Street Brewery. All second round players i guess so first round winners who make it to the second round you get a 25 dollars gift card to 23rd street brewery and every round you advance is a 25 dollars gift card to 23rd street brewery also an rcst trivia t-shirt cannot be bought you have to win it here with rcst trivia all right we're going to get back into uh some more ku basketball conversation on the other side this is rcst on fm 1017 1320 klwn klwn.com and the klwn app depend on it our KU Club interviews continue here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with the KU Sailing Club as we're joined by Emma here, who uh, is part of the Sailing Club. So, Emma, what what is it that you do with uh, the Sailing Club at KU? Um, what's your uh, official position? How, how many members do you guys have? All that stuff. Um, so, right now, we just did elections, and I just got promoted to the vice president. Congratulations. And Thank you. It's been a pretty big year for our club. We've kind of gotten everything restarted after COVID. Um, Before COVID, we had four or five members. We're up to 20 to 15 right now. Usually a good 10 people come out to every practice. 
I would imagine that a lot of people, when they hear you're on the uh, sailing club at, at the University of Kansas, they're like, wait, where are you sailing? So where are you guys uh, practicing and, and do you guys have competitions? Where do those occur? Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit weird that we're sailing in Kansas because uh, Kansas has no real lakes. But out in uh, Meriden, Kansas, we have Lake Perry. Um, it's a little bit far away from campus, but we have a lot of support from uh, sailors that used to sail when they were young at KU. Uh, so we sail on Perry Lake. Um, right now we're doing practices once a week. But we're going to hope to expand that to twice a week. Um, and so far this year, we've traveled to a couple regattas. Um, back in the fall, we went to University of Texas, Austin, and we competed there. Uh, and then this spring, we went down to Eckerd, Florida, and we just recently, about two or three weeks ago, traveled to Denton, Texas to compete. So there's a lot of travel and everything. Um, uh, when did you get into sailing? Is this something you've been interested in for, for a while, that you've been doing for a while, or is this something that you just kind of got into once you came to KU? Um, I grew up in Minnesota, and so it wasn't really a weird thing to sail there, since we, most people live on a lake, but... Personally, I never had a boat. I never knew how to sail until I came to KU because um, I had some friends that sailed at home, and they're like, oh, you have a sailing club? You should go join and learn how to sail so you can sail with us. Um, so kind of my friends got me into doing it, and I learned through our club. And now every summer when I go home, um, I go charter on a boat, and I go sail now. How are competitions, how, how do those work? Are they races? Are they timed events? Um, what kind of goes into a competition or uh, would you call it a regatta? Yeah, a regatta. Um, so pretty much we, uh, in Texas, we actually brought two berths, but it's a berth of boats. And so there are two divisions within a berth. You have an A division and B division. Uh, there's not much difference except just so you basically you divide them so there's not as many boats racing all at the same time. Um, but it's one boat per team during each race. And it is a race around a track in a way, except the track is shaped like a triangle <laughs> or usually a W. Um, so you're going back and forth. You're doing laps. One lap is upwind and one lap is downwind. Um, and the difference in that is one of them, you're pretty much going a lot faster and you're working with the wind. Uh, and you're going up towards it, and on the downwind, the wind is pushing against your sails, and you're going a little bit slower, and it's not about more of catching the wind and less about speed. When is the typical season for you guys? I'd imagine this isn't something that's going on over, like, winter break or, or something like that. Um, is this, like, a spring sport? Is it a fall sport? Is it a little bit of both? Uh, it's a little bit of both. We usually are able to start right when school starts in August, um, Kansas is pretty windy all the time. There's not really any time where there isn't enough wind to go sailing. Um, and we sail until it's too cold to get in the water. Um, and in the spring, as soon Kansas doesn't ice out, doesn't fully ice over. But once the ice is out, uh, if you have gear, you can get in a boat and go out there. And, and when do uh, students, I guess, typically join? Is this just a student-only thing? Um, and when does that open up? Is it something where you can join whenever, or does it kind of open up at the beginning of the school year? 
Uh, it's open whenever. At the beginning of the school year, we make sure to table at all of the different sporting events. If you're interested, uh, you can come talk to all of the captains, and they'll tell you all about it. All of us who are the captains have been sailing for a long time, and so we can give a lot of advice. But our practices are open to anyone at any time. Um, we're starting to try and get some coaches now, and our practices have a lot more structure to them. Um, so, you know, it's come as you come as you will, um, but you might – you want to come to all of them. You learn everything, but anyone of any experience level can come to any practice, and we'll always get them in a boat with a coach so they can learn what they're doing and, and get caught up to speed with everything that we have done. What's a, a common term that you might hear on the boat that if if you know I or, or somebody random just heard on the street, I would have no idea what you're talking about. Um, one that we think is like kind of funny because older sailors tend to say it is "ready about." Um, and it's the term used when, when you're on a boat, there are two different tacks and it's kind of what side of the boat you're sitting on in which directions the sails are to the wind. And so you say ready about to the other person on the boat. So they know you're ready to, to switch tacks because, um, you know, you gotta be ready for that. And we kind of say it almost as it's, it's not really a term used by young sailors right now, but we all use it because our, all the adults and the coaches we've ever had say it, um, and it's just kind of funny to say ready about when you're getting ready to tack instead of counting down. <laughs> and and how can people support? I, I would imagine that's with, you know, uh, traveling to these different places. And uh, I, I'm imagining the travel is pretty expensive with trying to bring down the, the boat if it's in a trailer or whatever. Um, what's kind of typically for you guys? Is it stuff that you're paying out of pocket? Are you guys doing fundraisers? Is there ways that people can kind of support the program? Yeah, so we do a couple different things. Every semester, uh, we sell merchandise for, you know, our members to wear and to be proud of it, for alumni to wear, for anyone who wants to support us, you can wear um, our merch that we make. We just finished selling our stuff for this year, but we'll have new stuff in the fall. Uh, next year is actually our 50th anniversary, so we'll have some special merchandise next year. Um, and every year we run a fundraiser. This year, we just finished running our fundraiser, and we raised over $5,000, which we're super excited about because the school is now going to match that. Um, so we're going to have a really, really good season next year. We're going to buy some new sales. Um, we're going to get our kids out to some really good regattas because um, we're also getting promoted as a team within our division. I'm not exactly how sure how it works, but now we can travel to out-of-division events. So hopefully we can go back to sunny Florida <laughs> or somewhere <laughs> else really warm. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Um, so when does the season start for you guys? When's kind of your next event then? Would it be in the, in the fall? Um, right now we're actually doing practices every weekend. Um, so we'll be out this weekend. Um, the 23rd, we're not sailing. Um, because it's kind of the club to put together today, the other day. They just got new docks, um, so we're going to help the club with the docks on the 23rd. Um, so we'll be out on the 30th. Um, hopefully we're going to host a little kind of within our club regatta on the 30th, and we're going to camp out and grill. Um, and then hopefully our last day will be on the 7th before finals week. Um, but our next official stuff um, for a big regatta, we're hoping to host a regatta next October. Um, so we're hoping to have some schools from Texas and some teams from Minnesota and Wisconsin come and compete with us in October. Well, Emma, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day and sharing info with us on uh, the KU Sailing Club, and, and thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thank you guys so much. We're super excited. We're getting this club started again, and we're really glad for all the support.
All right, that was Emma Russin of the KU Sailing Club. This interview brought to you by Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. Johnny's great spot to stop by to get food, to watch a game, just hang out with friends, maybe have a drink or two. Johnny's Tavern in North Lawrence. Go check it out today. You know where it is. You know it's on the menu. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.